Hello, and welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where the Word of God is experienced in a fresh new way. Prepare yourself to hear God's Word talk with simplicity and understanding. And now, here's your host, Cliff Goldberg. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Doing my... Martin Lawrence. <laughs> What's going on, good people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. I am your host, Cliff Gober. If you've been listening to any of the podcasts, you know how we get down. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for once again giving us life, affirming life, feeding food for our spirits that help us to grow and help us to learn and help us to understand not only who you are, but who we are and how you see us, God. So we thank you for this opportunity to teach and share a word with your people. Today, we thank you, God, that you've given me a word for your people. We thank you, God, that you care enough for us to share pearls and diamonds of wisdom that come from heaven and you releasing revelation in this world now as never before now use me today god as you see fit i just declare that the only thing that will come out of my mouth is what your people need to hear i have prepared but god you are the master teacher so you use me and work through me and i will give your name the glory and the honor and the praise we declare every ear is anointed to hear and every heart is open to receive we receive seed and we receive harvest from the words that we hear uh today holy spirit do your thing and uh make it do what it do we declare these things to be so in jesus name amen what's up fam y'all good everybody good it's so good to um to be with you once again and uh to share a word that god has given me i got it i got it you know i believe every word that i share is awesome because it comes from god right but uh you know i get some things every now and then i go oh that's good oh that's ooh, that's good and uh, i am so humbled that god would choose to share uh certain levels of revelation with me uh, for my own life and also to share uh, in your lives uh, as you listen to these podcasts. I want to thank so many of you for listening. Uh, we're over a, a couple of hundred, I think 250, 250 downloads uh, so far of the podcast. Um, and I know that there are podcasts out there that have thousands and thousands of downloads and millions of downloads. But, you know, uh, the scripture says, do not uh, uh, fret, uh, despised day of small beginnings. And so this is a small beginning for me and I'm not going to despise it. I'm going to appreciate each and every download and all the downloads that come, uh, down the way. All right. So I got a, I got a real, it's a hot one, man. It's kind of fresh out the oven. Usually it takes, you know, I can meditate on some things or I've had some notes for a while that I've taught, you know, I've shared some things that I've taught in the past, but this one is fresh, fresh out the oven. I just got this, uh, uh, revelation uh, not too many days ago and uh, actually it's two major concepts that will work together now I don't know if I'll just do two podcasts or if it'll end up being you know part one part two part three you know how, how we do it uh, but the two concepts are putting God first and then the second concept is letting God lead putting God first and letting God lead so today we're going to get into putting God first and uh, I've got a lot of notes, so we may do a part two, or we may not use all the notes. We'll see what God says as we roll through this thing. We want to put God first. Now, those of you who know me and know my family, uh, grew up with us, 
uh, in Gary, Indiana. Uh, if you know my dad, uh, my dad created something when we were kids called the Gober Motto. And the Gober Motto is put God in front and do the best you can. Don't worry about anything and we'll all walk hand in hand. And, uh, you know, growing up, that was probably one of the most corny things I'd ever heard, right? <laughs> but here we are, you know, decades later. And my, my brothers and I have endeavored to put God first, and we've endeavored to do the best we can. And, um, you know, everybody has stresses and everybody has worries. Life has a way of, of getting in the way of your plans. Um, but, you know, we're all walking hand in hand. We've spent great amount of time together, my brothers and their wives and, and their kids and grandkids. And, and uh, we, we are just a blessed, blessed family. And I believe that part of that comes out of uh, my father sowing the Gober motto into our hearts, uh, even when we didn't want to hear it, <laughs> which was many, many times. <laughs> but uh, there was wisdom in that, and especially in the first part of it, put God in front, right? Which is just another way of saying put God first, putting God first. And so let's get into this. I could do a whole bunch of preamble and that would be the whole show, but I want to give you guys a word uh, that you can hear and a word that you can study on your own time um, so you can really dig into this thing and really get a revelation for your own lives as to how to put God first in a practical manner. So we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 17 and we're going to look at verses 7 and 8, Genesis chapter 17. Verses 7 and 8. Now, this is God talking to Abraham. And um, uh, as many of you know, God made a covenant, or the Bible says cut covenant with Abraham, changed his name from Abram, which meant uh, exalted father, to Abraham, which meant father of many nations. And so God cuts this covenant with a man, which is just an awesome thing in and of itself and a great teaching uh, in and of itself. And so here in Genesis 17, verses 7 and 8, God says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession. And then he makes this final statement, and I will be their God. And I will be their God. So, so very early in the process. Now we know there was Adam. So from Adam to Abraham, there was generations upon generations of men and women in the earth. But God now is beginning the process of reestablishing himself, reconnecting himself to mankind. Uh, those of you who know the Bible story, when Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he was separated from God. Now, the word that God used was die, and that word die means separation. And so when Adam ate of the fruit and disobeyed God, he separated himself from God. And God now wants to start to reconnect himself. There was a disconnect between God and man. And now with this man, Abraham, God begins the process of reconnecting himself with mankind, which is another whole awesome 
uh, uh, teaching. But but that little nugget I wanted to dig out here, actually, uh, I put it in bold print, that I will be their God. So God is establishing now with Abraham and his descendants that he is going to be their God. And, and those of us who've read many aspects of the Old Testament in Genesis, mostly, uh, you will hear God declare himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob right? Isaac was Abraham's son. Jacob was Isaac's son. So he declares himself to be God of the generations, okay? Uh, now, we go down to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 and 8. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 and 8. Now, 6 through 8. Now, I'm just laying a foundation here uh, of establishing God wanting to be first, that God wanting to be uh, the ultimate, God wanting to be uh, the preeminent. That's the word I was looking for. God wanting to be the preeminent. Uh, one of God's names is the Most High God. I believe the Hebrew phrase is El Elyon, the Most High God. That's where he wants to be in the lives of his people. And so if he wants to be the Most High God, then it would stand the reason since he's God that we allow him to be the most high God. Somebody say, well, how are we going to allow him, man? He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can, but we have free will. And so we want to make sure that we line up our will with his will to be the most high God in our lives. Amen. All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 6 through 8. Uh, this is one version of what we call the Ten Commandments. Uh, the rest of it is found also in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Verse 6 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse 8 says, you shall not make for yourself a carved, or the King James says, a graven image, any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So God, again, establishes himself as I am your God and you shall have no other gods before me. And as a representative of no gods before me, I don't want you to create any images based on anything in the earth that I created and make that your God. He says, no, I am your God. I am your God. I am your God. And there shall be no other gods before me. Why? I brought you out of the land of Egypt. No other gods brought you out of the land of Egypt. No other animal representation of gods brought you out of the land of Egypt. The sun god did not bring you out of the land of Egypt. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Uh, I believe in a couple of different scriptures. Uh, he talks about, I led them by the hand out of Egypt and into the wilderness and into the promised land. So God establishes himself again. Uh, I am your God. This is generations after Abraham, right? This is during the time of Moses. And he says, I'm your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And don't make any images. Don't have anything to take my place. I'm supposed to be in first place. Okay. Now, <clears throat> this is, and I don't want to get too deep into this, and I don't want to get, you know, move people into confusion. But, but who he's talking about right now is the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. Okay, the descendants of Abraham who were living by the law of Moses 
which is established in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers. I believe there's some law in Numbers. Um, and so it's just one group of people, okay, that God is saying, I'm your God. Now, we know that in the land of Canaan, uh, there were different tribes. They called they were called ites. You had Canaanites. You had Hivites. You had Jebusites. You had Girgashites. Um, you had all of these different ites. These different nations. God didn't say He was going to be their God at this point. He said He was going to be the God of the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. All right. But as we go through this now, we'll see who God says He's God of is going to expand. All right, and I'll give you a little hint. The reason for the expansion is because of Jesus, okay? But before we get there, we're going to stay with the group of uh, the nation of Israel and see God wanting to keep himself in first place in the lives of his people. So let's go to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and then we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 19 through 24, all right? Mark chapter 10 verse 17, and then Mark chapter 10, verses 19 through 24. I'm just in a flow, man. And usually I like to expound, and I'm just flowing. You know, I'm just reading my notes, and, and we'll go through this thing. Maybe this will be a half hour. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Mark 10, verse 17. And this is the story of the rich young ruler. And um, let's just read it. Verse 17 says, Now, as he was going out on the road, this is Jesus, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Okay? And so uh, this rich young ruler is asking Jesus this deep question, right? Uh, what, what, what do I do to have the eternal life? Now, he's not saying, What do I do to live forever? What he's saying is eternal life uh, is a phrase that translates the God kind of life. What, what do I do to inherit the God kind of life, right? Successful, prosperous, peace, joy, all of those, those positive things that we hear that come with uh, living a godly kind of life. Um, just reminded Andre Crouch, uh, the great Andre Crouch songwriter, wrote a, a song and the hook was living this kind of life. Right. And so this is what the rich young ruler is asking for. What do I have to do to live this kind of life, eternal life? And so we jump down to verse 19. And Jesus answers and says, you know, the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Now, what Jesus says are the uh, I believe these are commandments six through ten. In the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, right? Um, uh, honor your father and your mother, um, and do not defraud. Uh, thou shalt not covet. That's what defraud means. Thou shalt not covet. Okay, so that's, you know, Commandments 6 through 10. Is basically what Jesus tells him if you do these commandments 6 through 10 you're gonna inherit eternal life right so verse 20 the young man said and he answered him teacher all these things I have kept from my youth so here's a guy who's saying all my life I haven't committed adultery I have not murdered anybody I haven't stole from anybody I haven't lied on anybody I haven't coveted what other people wanted and I have honored my parents 
man, that sounds like a pretty awesome life, right? But it, it well, let's keep reading. <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of it. It's, it's, it's a cool story. So uh, let's keep reading. Verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. Now, how would it be? How cool would it be to say, Jesus, I've done this. 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 And Jesus says, that's cool, man. That's awesome. There's one thing you lack. I, I'm, I don't know if he would be able to come to me and say there's one thing you lack. He might say there's like <laughs> 1,000 things you lack. <laughs> All right. But Jesus says, one thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I'll do a quick little side lesson. A lot of people will read this. And they will interpret this as meaning it's bad to have money. That's not what Jesus' point was. Okay? He's not saying you shouldn't have money. Now, when we look at verse 23, it's going to seem like that's exactly what he's saying. It, that, that you can't have a lot of money and follow God. That's what the implication seems to be. But roll with me here and let's, let's, let's go all the way to the end of this. Uh, verse 22 says, but he was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. All right. Verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Now, that sounds like it's hard to be rich and be a part of God's kingdom. That's what it sounds like. And for other people, it sounds like it's hard to be rich and go to heaven. Because they, their understanding of what the kingdom of God is, is heaven. And that's not what the kingdom of God is. And we'll, we'll explain that here in a little bit because I got a little note that talks about the kingdom of God. So we'll get to that in a minute. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying it's, it's hard to be rich and to be a godly person. That's not what he's saying. All right. Well, Cliff, how can you say that? It just said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Okay, cool. But let's look at verse 24. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, now here is his point. Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. What was the problem with the rich young ruler? He trusted in his riches, watch this, more than he trusted in God. So if he trusted his riches more than he trusted in God, what was first in his life? It wasn't God, it was his riches. That's the point that Jesus was making. Because watch this now. Jesus tells him that one thing you lack Right. And Jesus's understanding was it wasn't. Well, <clears throat> from Jesus's perspective, it was one thing. But from the rich young ruler's perspective, basically, it was four things, because when you look at the Ten Commandments, it can be broken down into two major categories. Love God. Category one. Love people. Category two. 
Okay, and then right in the middle, there's a transitionary commandment, which is honor your mother and father. So if you look at the first four commandments, they're all directed at how we are to or how the children of Israel were to deal with God. I'm your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no graven image. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Um, and there's one more that I can't think of right now. Right. Those are the love God uh, commandments. And then you go honor your father and your mother. That's the transitionary commandment. And then we go to the exact commandments that Jesus told the rich young ruler. Don't kill, don't steal, all of those things, right? So Jesus says one thing you lack. And actually, it was four things you lack. But Jesus saw it all as one thing, love God, right? Or what, what the title of today's program is, put God first. You've done the dealing with the people part, excellent. You, you've handled commandments uh, five, uh, uh, um, uh, six through ten. You've handled them. Bam. You knocked them out. Now, these four, which I see as one, you got to put God first. And so he says, take the thing that's first in your life, give it away, and put God in that place. Replace your riches with God, and now you will have completed the whole Ten Commandments set. If, if you, if, because right now, you're rich, and, and, and your money now is the thing that's first in your life. That's why he went away sorrowful, because Jesus was asking him to take what's first in his life out of first place and put God in first place, and he couldn't do that. Now, I'm not hating on the rich young ruler. Many of many people in the body of Christ have things in first place in God's place. Whether it's work, whether it's possessions, whether it's children, whether it's watch this, ministry, right? Whether it's our relationships, marriage relationships, whether it's our career, right? We have these things that we put in front of God. Or, or we put in first place instead of having God in first place. Now, somebody say, well, I go to church and God understands my heart. He knows that I got to do blah, blah, blah. I got to pay my bills. Pay your bills? Yeah, sure. Absolutely you do. But is paying your bills the first thing in your life? Is everything motivated by paying bills? Is everything in your life motivated by your career first? Is your career first in your life? Because you'll see, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And, and, and God wants to be the number one treasure in our lives. He wants to be number one. And, and I don't know if God says it this way or thinks it this way, because obviously I'm not God. But when we look at various scriptures, he's like, check out my resume. I created the earth, right? And then we jump all the way down to the nation of Israel. He's like, I brought you out of Egypt, right? We read this in Genesis, in, uh, in uh, uh, Deuteronomy. I brought you out of Egypt. I got you out of that slavery. I parted the Red Sea for you. And then I closed the Red Sea back up for you so you'd never see your enemies again. I gave you a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I fed you manna from heaven. I gave you quail for 40 years. Your shoes and your clothes did not wear out. I checked my resume. I deserve to be El Elyon. I deserve to be first. Right? So check God's resume out in your own life. The things that he's done for you that you couldn't do for yourself. 
the things that he's gotten you out of. How many of you have prayed that prayed that prayer, right? Lord, if you just get me out of this one. <laughs> yeah, I got my hands raised on that one. <laughs> right? All of the things that God has done for us, all of the things that God has done for you, make it personal. The doors that he's opened for you, the opportunities that he's given you. He's like, check my resume, man. I deserve to be first. I want to be first. Now, in the Old Testament, in the law, he demanded, I'm first. Y'all put me first. And I'm going to give you some laws. And I'm going to give you festivals. And I'm going to give you rules that you have to keep in order to keep me first. Right? Now, in the New Testament, it's I want to be first. Please let me be first. Let me be first. Let me be first. I sent my son to die for you. Let me be first. He shed his blood for you. Let me be first. He was beaten till he was, he, he, he couldn't be, uh, he, uh, nobody could identify him. Let me be first. I gave the best I have so I could get you back in relationship with me. Let me be first. That's what he's asking us, right? So, so Jesus was not saying uh, riches is bad, you know, and it's hard to be rich and enter the kingdom of God. What he's saying is, if you put your trust in riches, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard to live a life, what we talked about before, it's hard to live the God kind of life if riches are first in your life. But, you know, I'll expand on that. It's hard to live the God kind of life when career is first in your life. It's hard to live the God kind of life when your children are first in your life, when God wants to be first in your life. Now, he's not saying, I want to be the only thing in your life. He's just saying, I want to be first in your life. Because if you put me first, everything else is going to flow, right? Which flows right to our next scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 33. And I'm sure some of you guys are already with me, right? Very familiar passage of scripture. We're talking about the kingdom of God. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Here we go. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. How cool is it to live a life where folks are chasing after things that God is adding to your life? That you don't have to chase after things. We chase after God. And when we chase after God, things chase after us. My God, that's good. It's a different way of living, right? It's a different way of living from the way society says. Society says you got to hustle. Society says you got to grind. Society says you got to chase that bag, right? But, but, but God is saying, chase me. Seek after me first. Put me first. I'll show you how to get those things that other people are hustling for. That you can work hard, but you won't have to work as hard as those people because I'm going to show you how to get there. And, and, and everything is going to follow you. Those things are going to be added to your life and you're not going to have to work for them. They get added. Work for me. Put me first. Let me be preeminent in your life. Let me be, we'll use the, the Hebrew phrase, phrase, let me be El Elyon in your life. And all of those things that you worry about, because that whole Matthew chapter 6 was about worrying. All those things that you worry about, I'll add those things to your life. 
I'll add college tuition for your children to your life. I'll add promotion in your job to your life. I'll add people in your ministry to your life. I'll add customers for your business to your life. If you just seek me first, seek how I do what I do. That's when he says the kingdom and his righteousness, the Amplifier says his way of doing and being right. Dig into my words. Spend time with me. Let me show you how I do it. Right? And then I'll add the stuff that you're worrying about. Here's, here's a concept that some of you guys may not even believe can be, can, can be true. It is possible to have a life of no worry. Uh, I see some of y'all shaking your head now. Listen to what I'm saying. It is possible to have a life of no worry. I'm going to say it one more time. It is possible, because I'm sowing this now, I think, into somebody's mind. It is possible to have a life of no worry. What's the key to having that life, Cliff? Seeking first the kingdom of God. Putting God in first priority. Now, first priority means more than reading the scripture when you get up in the morning. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with reading the scripture when you get up in the morning. I do it myself. But if that's all you do and think that that's putting God first, then, dude, that ain't even close to putting God first. It's not even close. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures here as we roll down this thing. All right. Now. Verse 33 of the Living Bible. Now, we know verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The Living Bible says, And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. Boy, if this mic was in my hand, I'd drop it right now. But it costs too much. I don't want to do that. <laughs> he will give them to you. What the them? The them that you're worried about. He will give what you're worried about to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. Give him first place in your life and learn how to live how he wants you to. And everything that you're worrying about, he'll give it to you. That's the promise. Now, we're still talking about people who were living under the law because the rich young ruler was Jewish. So this is only Jewish people, but it still will apply to us because of Jesus. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and our faith in him and making him Lord and Savior in our lives. Okay, so it hasn't expanded yet based on what we're reading. We're still talking about Jewish people, but Jesus is the transitionary figure. I, I, I got this revelation about the sections of the Bible. Right. And I'll do a little side thing here. The sections of the Bible. Now, most people, we understand when we read the Bible is split up into two sections. Old Testament, which is Genesis to Malachi. New Testament, which is Matthew to Revelation. Right. I submit to you that there actually should be three sections in the Bible. The Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And then the New Testament, Acts to Revelation. Because during the time of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the law of Moses was still in place. So these people were still living by the Old Testament. Even though every Bible in the world says Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is part of the New Testament. 
Well, the, for me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the transition scriptures between the Old Testament and the New Testament. All right. Maybe one day I'll teach a little deeper on that, but you know, uh, let that marinate. Uh, let that marinate. So, the rich young ruler here is living under the law, and he says, "If for you, for for those who are my people, I'm gonna I'm gonna start expanding it in my own language. For those who are my people, you don't have to worry about anything because the things that you worry about, I'll give them to you if you give me first place in your life and live as I want you to live." All right. And that's a brief invitation for those who do not have a relationship with God. Get in a relationship with God. Let him be first place in your life. Live as he wants you to live. And all the things that you worry about will begin to diminish because God will begin to add those things to your life. That's what the books say. All right. Some of the old preachers back in the day said that's what the books say. <laughs> all right. So let's expand this thing now. Let's expand this thing beyond uh, uh, the nation of Israel. Expand it beyond those who lived according to the law. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. All right, now Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth, I'm sure they had some Jewish people, but there was a whole bunch of non-Jewish people uh, in this church because these folk had gotten into a come into a relationship with God through their faith in Jesus Christ. So the thing that qualified them to be God's people now is their faith in Jesus Christ. So now they become believers. In Galatians, I believe chapter 3, Paul says, uh, there is no more Jew, there is no more Greek, there is no more male, there is no more female, there is no more slave, there is no more free. We are all one now in Christ Jesus. So when Jewish people put their faith in Jesus and non-Jewish people put their faith in Jesus and males and females and back then servants and masters, right? Uh, now everybody is in the same place. There is a oneness, there is a unity. Because everybody now is seen as followers of Christ, right? Jewish followers of Christ, Corinthian followers of Christ, Ephesian followers of Christ, Galatian followers, Thessalonian, Thessalonian followers, right? Roman followers, all now followers of Christ and classes and gender and, and, and job description, all of those things are gone now because now we are all one in Christ, Okay, and so now he's speaking to those people who are a part of now the kingdom of God, who are all now one in Christ, which includes us now as New Testament believers. Okay, all right, so 2 Corinthians 6 and 16 says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. See, in the Old Testament, God was on the outside dealing with people. But for in the New Testament, God now is on the inside by the Holy Spirit working in us. So now we are the temple of the living God. And then Paul quotes a scripture from the Old Testament. He says, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Right. So this was part of the Abrahamic covenant 
that God made with Abraham way back in Genesis 17. Now, it came up in a couple of other different places, but that whole key thing is, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, it translates from just the nation of Israel to the nation of the kingdom of God, right? So, that's us. So, now, I can look at Matthew chapter 6 and say, you know, if I seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, I don't have to worry about things because God's going to add those things to me. Now, through Jesus, that scripture applies to me. Before Jesus, that scripture only applied to Jewish people. But now, after Jesus, or after the cross, as I heard a man of God say, after the cross, Matthew now Matthew 6.33, now that applies to me because now I am in the family of God because of Jesus. That's why Jesus is so awesome. That's why he's our champion, man. He's just, whoo, 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 whoo. All right, let me move on. So now, because I'm in the family of God, anything in the Old Testament that has wisdom, anything in the Old Testament that has spiritual truth, anything in the Old Testament that has godly promises, I can lay hold to because of Jesus, because now I'm in the family of God. So cool. Let's go to Proverbs chapter three, verse six, which is one of my all time favorite scriptures. I met this lady, a friend of a friend of mine, uh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, the first thing she asked me, she said, what's your favorite scripture? And I'm like, Proverbs three and six. Well, it was Proverbs three, five and six. But Proverbs 3 and 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Okay? The Living Bible says, In everything you do, here we go, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Man, this, this God thing is cool, man. Look at the benefits uh, I think it's Psalms uh, hundred hundred and something uh, that says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits." One of the benefits is long life, and one of the benefits is He satisfies us with good things, so our youth is renewed like the eagle. Another benefit is sins forgiven. What man? This is all right. I don't know where people get this. Well, I do know where people get this bad perception of living a godly life and what it actually is as compared to what the image of it is. But people's perception of what this is, no, man, wrong, wrong answer. What do they do on Family Feud when they get the wrong answer? <clears throat> wrong answer. Wrong answer. God has benefits that come with being in relationship with him. And here it is, a straight path. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything you do, put God first. He shall direct your path, or he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Another translation says that he will make your path straight. Well, what's the condition of that? Put him first. Put him first, and the second part of this podcast will be let him lead. Put him first, but he can't lead until he's first, right? So I don't want that's that's a preview for the next podcast, right? Put him first. Put him first. Seek him first. Put him first. Seek him first. Put him first. Because there's benefits. He's not saying put me first because God is on an ego trip. 
He's saying, put me first because I'm going to direct you and I'm going to crown your effort with success. I'm going to direct your path if you put me first. What did it say earlier? I will give you the things that you worry about if you put me first. And you can have a worry-free life. That doesn't mean you'll have a trouble-free life, but it means you'll have a worry-free life. A worry-free life. Right in the middle of trouble, you don't have to worry when you put God first because He will direct your path and help you navigate. He'll help you navigate through the valley of the shadow of death. He'll help you navigate and get you to green pastures. He'll navigate and lead you to still waters, uh, 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 David says in Psalms 23. But you got to put him first and then let him lead. All right, let's look at a couple more scriptures and we'll call it a day. Ooh, one more. Look at that. You better go, Cliff. All right. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. And we'll finish with this. Philippians 4. Verses 6 through 8, uh, relatively familiar passage of Scripture for many people. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus, through Christ Jesus. All right. I want to read this from the voice translation. And the title of this section is called, Don't Stress pray. Don't stress, pray. Now, I'll say this, and some may find this hard to believe, but hear me now. Not only is it possible to live a worry-free life, but it is also possible, by putting God first, to live a stress-free life. Some of you all would know what to do if you had a worry-free, stress-free life, because that's what your whole life is built on. It does not have to be that way. And I'm talking to Christian people right now. It, well, I'm talking to everybody. But it does not have to be that way. With all of the benefits that God is giving us, when we're seeing some of them in this word tonight, today, how can I live a stress-free life? And I'm calling myself a Christian. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody and I'm looking, not looking to criticize anyone. But I'm just saying, with all of these benefits that come from putting God first, how can I have a stress-free or have a life of worry and a life of stress. What's the problem? I'm not putting God first. I'm not putting God first. And maybe you're cool in a lot of different areas. You got the peace that passes understanding in this area. And, and you know, you pray in this area. But at this area right here, it keeps you up at night. This area right here, every time you think about it, your stomach starts turning over. Why? Not putting God first. Got to put God first. That's why it says in Proverbs, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all thy ways, put him first, right? So it, I think it's time for many of us, and I will include me in this. It's time for us to do self-examinations. You know, in jobs, they have an evaluation period after, you know, once a year they evaluate you, they break down what you do well and what you don't do well, what you can improve upon, things of this nature, right? So I, I think it's time for many believers to have a little self-evaluation and examine ourselves and find out what, what, what areas get me stressed out? What are the areas that I worry about? And work now in times of prayer to say, God, help me to look at this thing from your perspective, because I don't want to worry about it. And I know you got it. I know you love me. 
I know you care. I was just listening to the podcast last time about trusting God. I trust you, but I'm still worried about this stuff. Help me with this. Help me see this from your perspective. And I tell you, fam, he will. He will. I've got things that are on my heart that I go to God with on a regular basis. And he comes in and goes, son, and he gives me his perspective on the thing. And he gives me his wisdom. And he tells me all he needs me to, all I need you to do is this, 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 and this. Don't worry about that. I got it. I think one of the most deep spiritual anointed phrases that are, that's, that's hitting the body of Christ right now are these three words that come from God. I got you. I got you. I've heard many ministers say this. I got you. And God is telling them, I got you. He tells me that all the time. Anytime I'm concerned about something, son, I got you. Just You just do blah, 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 blah. I'll take care of that. I got you. We're good. Okay? That comes when we put God first. That comes when we don't let our riches be in first place. When we don't allow our careers to be in first place. When we don't allow, why am I not married and trying to get into a relationship and trying to be married. Don't put that in first place. Put, that, put God in first place. All that other stuff he'll take care of. All right? All right, let me read Philippians 4, 6 through 8 through the voice translation. And we'll call it a night. The voice translation says, don't be anxious about things. Huh, man. Don't be anxious about things. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your requests. So talk to God about your needs and be thankful for what has come. You know, some, some, some people might be like, well, I don't really know how to pray. Here it is right here. Talk to God about your needs. That's prayer right there. Don't be anxious. Just talk to God about your needs. He wants to hear what you have to say. He longs to hear your request, this translation says. So talk to God about your needs and be thankful for what has come. Be thankful for where you already are. Be thankful for what you have. I drive a Mercedes right now. But once upon a time, I drove a 1971 pea green colored Chevy Nova. But you know what? Before that, I was riding the bus. And so when I would see my pea green Chevy Nova sitting that ran all the time and I rarely had any problems with it, I would get in that car that had no air conditioning and 90 degree heat and go, God, I thank you for this Nova. I thank you for this Nova. Now, I'm rocking a Mercedes now. It's an older Mercedes. Don't get it twisted. But, <laughs> but, but I appreciated that Nova just like I appreciate this Mercedes. And whatever car or vehicle that I have down the road that might be newer or better or whatever, I'll appreciate that just like I appreciate this Mercedes. Appreciation doesn't start at a high level. Appreciation is right where you are. God, I thank you. I thank you for food. I thank you. You know, when I go buy groceries, because there was a time in my life, you know, you had to pinch the pennies and pinch the pinching of the pennies and take $5 and buy groceries for a week. I've been there. Now I go to the grocery store, I just get what I want because I know I have the money. And I go, God, I thank you for my groceries. I thank you for provision. But I thank God for provision when I was just buying ramen noodles and, and ground turkey. I thank God for provision because I had something to eat. I thanked him that I, I would never starve. 
I don't have a big apartment right now, but I thank him for this place because it's comfortable and it's nice and it's cozy and it's peaceful. It's in a decent neighborhood that's on the rise. I, I can sleep at night. It's got soundproof windows. It's small, but uh, hey, it's just me. And I thank him for this. And when I'm rocking the five-bedroom, four-bedroom house, I'm going to thank him for that, where I can look at my backyard and see the Pacific Ocean as the sun goes down. I'm going to thank him for that, too. But I'm thanking him for the one-bedroom apartment right now. And I talk to him about the things that, 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 that I need because he wants to hear it, and he wants to hear it flavored in thankfulness. He wants to hear what we have to say flavored in thankfulness. Dip your request in the, in the, in the sauce of thanksgiving and then let God have it. God, I thank you for this and I thank you for that and I thank you for this, you know, but I'm having some problems with blah, 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 blah. That's prayer, man. It ain't got to be, oh, heavenly, gracious Father. Oh, we come to you with, you know, bowed, bended knees and bowed heads as humble as we know how. It ain't got to be all that. That's fine. But it doesn't have to be all that to be effective prayer. Uh, uh, the scripture says that the, the, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That One translation says makes power available that's dynamic in its working. It's not all the words. It's not all the vocabulary. It's what comes from the heart. Right? And the old folks say what comes from the heart reaches the heart. So what comes from my, God, my heart will reach God's heart. When it comes from a place of thanksgiving. Amen. He says he longs to hear your request. So talk to God about your needs. And be thankful for what has come. And then what happens. And, and know that the peace of God. A peace that is beyond any and all of our human understanding. Will stand watch over your hearts and minds in Jesus the anointed one. One translation says that peace will be a guardian over your heart. Like an armed guard. Right, like a sentry over your heart when we pray to God with thanksgiving and don't stress and don't be anxious for what we're dealing with. I'm going to read that again, and then I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to shut it down. Don't be anxious about things. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your requests. So talk to God about your needs and be thankful for what has come. And know that the peace of God, a peace that is beyond any and all of our human understanding, will stand watch over your hearts and minds in Jesus, the anointed one. When does that happen? When we put God first. Amen. All right. Listen. Now, the first base of putting God first is letting him in your heart and, and asking him to come into your life and and, and have be your Lord and Savior and have a relationship with him. All right. So that's the that's first that's first base in putting God first. So if you're listening to this and and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, um, this is the opportunity I want to give you to, to do that. Um, and I'm looking up my my prayer here. Uh, this is what I want to give you the opportunity to make God bring your God in your life and make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if, if you don't have a relationship with God, you heard about church, you heard about God, maybe your parents made you to go to, made you go to church when you were growing up and you just kind of got away from it. And, um, 
you know, maybe you're like me, like I was some years ago. Your life isn't working anymore. Your life just doesn't work anymore. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to turn. All of your resources don't work anymore. All the people you could call to help you out, they're not there anymore. And, and you're stuck. You're stuck in life. Here's a chance for you to get unstuck. All right. Get into a relationship with God. Put him first and uh, watch God bring you from stuck to unstuck. So if that's you. Repeat these words after me. Please say it from your heart. Be genuine with it. These are not just empty words. Make it come from your heart. Repeat these words after me. God, I come to you today with a genuine and sincere heart. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died to take away my sins. And I believe that he was raised from the dead. Jesus, I give my life to you and I ask you to be my savior and my Lord. From this moment forward, all I am and all I have, I place in your hands and wherever you lead me, I will go. Amen. Father, we just thank you for the new family members coming into the kingdom. We pray, God, that you do everything that you promised to do when people come into relationship with you. We thank you and praise you. Protect these new souls. Protect these babies. Lead them and guide them in the way that they should go. And we know they're going to have awesome lives, awesome lives, awesome lives. We declare this to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, fam, that's it for me today. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I, I know this has been a blessing to you because it's been a blessing to me. All right, last time I said I wasn't going to talk a whole lot, and I'm not this time. I'm out. I love you. I'll see you next time. <laughs> God bless you. Peace. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that what you heard will start you on a journey of change and transformation. If you'd like to communicate with Cliff with a question or a comment, you can do so via email at clifftalk 63 at gmail.com. That's clifftalks, the number 63, at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Word Experience.